0: You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast.
1: You're listening to episode 430 and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. And I'm your co-host, Gemma Israel. Hey Gemma, it's so great to talk again.
2: And it is time for some congratulations on your acceptance to Ruby Kagi. Thank you very much. Yeah, it'll be my first time speaking at Ruby Kagi. I'm pretty pumped about it, especially to be talking more about object shapes and the work I've been doing there.
1: And I love how someone noted in WNB that this means you've completed the trifecta, which is speaking at RubyConf, RailsConf, and RubyKyge. I mean, Gemma, for someone who's been in the community, how long now? It's really impressive that you're
2: closing out the trifecta. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, I think this one goes with a little asterisk because I had a COVID situation at RailsConf, but we can <laughs> ignore that. I think Nick Schwader coined the term the Ruby Conference trifecta, right? I think so. That sounds like something Nick would do. He is an influencer now. So that would make sense. <laughs> and a trifecta completer in his own right. As well. He is. Do you think that you'll actually get to go to Japan? Is the question. I hope so. You can get in through a business visa right now. So it seems like hopefully we can make that work. <laughs> if any listeners have influence within the Japanese government, <laughs> let us know. But yeah, I have interacted obviously a lot been really fortunate to interact with the North American and somewhat the European Ruby communities. I have rarely interacted with Japanese Rubyists. And I think that's a whole new perspective or a whole new group of people that I would be really lucky to be able to meet in person and talk with in person. And so the thought of that opportunity and being able to go and actually meet them would be wonderful. Is this your first experience getting to go to Japan? It would be if I get to go. Yeah, it's also it's a 13 hour time difference from New York. So that'll be a big I usually don't travel with that kind of adjustment time. So speaking after that, I feel like I'll have to prepare my body a little to go to.
1: I think the wildest thing I've ever done was speak at a Ruby conference in Malaysia. So it was an hour flight to Canada and then it was a 11 hour trip to Tokyo and then like a three hour trip to Malaysia I was there for two days and I turned around and came back and that was oh
2: way God. too short. Like I do that not recommend. Crazy. Yeah, with the business visa, I don't think there would be a lot of time on either end either, but it's just the opportunity, especially to talk more about this shapes work. I feel like we've been putting a lot into it would be really exciting. So I have to ask the episode that's coming out today with Nick. We talk
1: about how there's kind of an unofficial cohort of Rubius that are learning Japanese. And so I'm on my... Day nine streak. That's been oh, kind of fun. Oh, thank you. So the question is, are you going to try to learn some
2: Japanese ahead of time? <laughs> <laughs> never say never, but I think I have enough different confusing languages in my head. I would rather kind of work more on the ones I'm already partway on than pick up a whole new one. How's your Japanese learning going?
1: You know what? I find it incredibly hard. So I was learning French for Paris RB back in 2020, back Mm. in pre-pandemic times. When I logged into Duolingo, it was like, welcome back, Brittany. Let's get back into French. And part of me yearned to go back to French because it feels somewhat familiar. But Japanese is just a whole different world. And we knew that. It's just funny that you're not just learning a new language, you're learning a new alphabet. And so... It's going to take a lot in order to get it to stick, but we're going to see if I can do well with just learning a little bit every day and maybe start subtitling some shows that I watch and maybe I'll start to learn that way because that's kind of how I learned Ruby, to be honest.
2: Yeah, I always find music is really helpful to get the intonations as well. I don't know if there are any Japanese music fans. I don't know any Japanese music personally, but I'm sure we could get some recommendations for you to listen to. That's a great idea,
1: actually. I'll have to look into that. So speaking of conference talks, so many of the listeners know that I gave a talk in 2019 at RubyConf called Hire Me. I'm Excellent at Quitting. And the topic that I wanted to bring to you today, Gemma, is kind of the opposite stance of that. And that's how to deal with a very beloved coworker leaving and how you should react to that, how you should communicate that out to the team. And, like, what you should do in those last couple of days while you still have that coworker. So, I'm guessing you've been in the situation where you've seen someone
2: depart, you know, with a lot of knowledge. You're excited for them, but there's a lot of mixed feelings. There are definitely a lot of mixed feelings. I think what's also interesting about this is when you are the one leaving, you are also cognizant of that and how your coworkers will react. And are you putting an extra load on their plate by leaving? Is it a selfish thing? Kind of all those questions. Is there a coworker leaving in your... So our front-end lead is departing
1: for a really great role. You know, I absolutely loved working with him over the last two years. He's an incredible developer and mentor, but it's a great role that he's going to. And with just how wild and hot the hiring market is going to be, it's just bound to happen. And so... Just having to balance that because now, you know, I was running the front end team at Us, but then we ended up giving it to him and now they're going to come back to me. And it's almost like them coming back home. So it's, it, I'm good with it. I've already managed them before, so I'm fine with that. But it's also, do you pull people aside and tell them one at a time? Do you kind of wait for a weekly meeting to state it and kind of rip the Band-Aid off. I just, I feel like there's not like a
2: set way in order to do these things. Have you already told people or is this a, you're asking what to do? Yeah, what approach did you take? Yeah,
1: so we ended up telling everybody at once. And so it was kind of interesting to do it on a Zoom call just because you see everybody's reactions in real time. And it's part of being remote. How hard can you emote over Zoom call? Some people emote really hard And some people are just completely stoic. And so I like to think I don't emote that hard, but knowing me, that's probably a lie. (laughs) But we ended up doing that. And then what I did is immediately after the call, everybody who is now going to be reporting to me, I ended up scheduling quick calls in order to talk to them and, you know, talk over any feelings. And because the announcement had happened so soon to that, like they're still processing Do you feel, Gemma, that like when you get some sort of news that you need time to process before you can properly react?
2: Oh, I absolutely do. I think especially news like that, I never in the moment say things that are really thought through. It takes me a while to kind of parse together feelings, especially with a coworker leaving, right? There's a lot of conflicting emotion there. There's obviously excitement for them. There are thoughts about how it'll affect the company. There are thoughts about how it'll affect your work. There are thoughts about their decision process. And for me, those emotions can be really different. And so I definitely personally need time. This is why I love running so much or walking or things where I can clear my head. Uh, need time to sort through all of those differences. Are you the same way? I am definitely the same way. So like
1: when he pulled me aside to, to let me know, I feel like I'm doing better around that just because, you know, I have a few experiences now managing. And when he told me that he was departing, I think the old me would have gotten very upset, probably visibly upset and like kind of stammered and trying to like figure out and like rationalize the situation. But in this case, I was able to smile and congratulate them. And then I immediately, and this is probably a detriment of myself, I immediately go into planning mode. As soon as I like know that something's going to happen and that could be like a coworker departing. It could be, the site is down or you've been acquired, like any sort of big thing, I just immediately am like, how can I get ahead of this? And so sometimes I have to kind of step back and have that emotional response because the departing coworker wants that emotional response. They want to feel like it's a big deal that they're leaving, but it's also your job to kind of alleviate their guilt as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. This episode is brought to you by Scout APM. Scout is an industry leader in application performance monitoring. This low overhead tool is designed to help Ruby developers find and fix performance issues. Scout's intuitive UI and tracing logic ties bottlenecks to specific lines of code and allows you to quickly pinpoint and resolve issues like N plus one queries, slow database queries, memory bloat, and more. Scout's unlimited seats and applications allow teams to collaborate without additional costs and makes it easy for any member of your team to become a performance pro. See for yourself why developers worldwide call Scout their best friend with a free 14-day trial, no credit card needed. As a special offer for Ruby on Rails listeners, Scout will donate $5 to the open source project of your choice when you deploy. Learn more
2: at scoutapm.com slash ruby on rails. I had a lot of trouble leaving my first ever job. I was just worried about how the team I was on would do without me, worried about yeah, leaving things behind in progress. I think a lot of natural fears. And I confided in a coworker who was a little more experienced to me than me on a different team about the fact I was leaving before I told anyone else. And her advice, I still think about often when people leave, which is, she said, (laughs) and she meant this in the nicest way, but she said, you're not as big a deal as you think you are, or as it seems like you are. And that was really, really helpful to hear, right? That moving on is a natural part of things. If I were really integral and really important and the team couldn't survive without me, that's a failure of the team and the team structure and not something to do with me specifically. And then I'm actually in a way doing them a favor by leaving because they can then figure out how to contingency plan for next time, how to make sure they're not so dependent on one person. And I think about that a lot when people leave. Obviously... People are all hopefully integral valued members of teams they're on, but also if the team is solely dependent on them or can't function in their absence, that's not a healthy team dynamic either, especially because there are reasons people could leave that aren't choices. They could become ill, a family member could become ill, something like that. And so even if it's not a deliberate thing, like teams need to be prepared for this and can't be dependent on one person.
1: I have so many feelings around that. One of my team members said something so smart. I come from the world of nonprofits. Before I went to Texas, I was at the Trust for five years. And so I'm used to working with people who have been at a job for 30 years, which is kind of wild Mm. compared to what we're experiencing in the tech community. And he said to me, I read this really great article. A job is not a family. A job is a community and you have to choose to be there and you have to make meaningful contributions there, but it is okay to depart. And I really like that because I want people to feel like they want to be working with me and that they aren't being forced into doing things because in some way we have some sort of familial
2: bond. Do you agree? Yeah, I totally agree. I also think it's a case of a rising tide floats all boats that... Mm-hmm. A company should have to work to keep people and should have to really think about why is this person staying and have it be a continual choice that a person is making each day to stay at a job as compared to other options. And I think if companies aren't thinking about that, it's not a setup that's going to be productive for them in the long term because they will lose employees. One thing that's really cool that I saw in a past job is that we had a developer
1: in a certain position that was a leadership position and they ended up getting moved into a different department. They wanted to move into product. And so we had this open role within the company and we had somebody who had interviewed for that role in the past and didn't get it just because she didn't have the qualifications at the time and didn't really have the ambition for it. But, you know, a year had passed and she had really defined what her goals were going to be. And so we ended up hiring her into that role and she smashed it so hard that like it wasn't even comparable to the person in the past. And in some ways, people departing gives that opportunity for people within the company to grow because there are only so many leaders that you can have. There are only so many people who can lead a certain project or who have the domain expertise in the application. And so in some ways, you need to have people cycle out in order for that to happen.
2: Oh completely and to get fresh perspectives onto the Mm -hmm. team. I'm curious what led to the decision to tell everyone at once initially. Yeah,
1: that's a good question. I think just because we didn't want the rumor mill to start because even though you will reach out to someone individually and tell them individually so that they can think about it, we wanted to do it all at once. So that way there was that processing time before I spoke to them individually I will tell you, Gemma, that that absolutely shot me in the foot because I told one of my developers ahead of time who was on vacation the week prior. And so they thought that the news had already gone out the week prior. (laughs) So they ended up reaching out to the person who was departing, which is kind of funny. I mean, it's going to happen. And so like the person departing was very surprised that that person knew. So I really want to try to avoid that because... Going back to in-office experience, I think one of the worst things that you can do is call a meeting where everybody has no idea what the topic is. Everyone just assumes Mm -hmm. they're getting fired. It Mm -hmm. is way awkward. And so I wanted to do it in a space where we already had a scheduled meeting because I hate getting a random meeting thrown on my calendar for a random one-on-one. It just doesn't go well. And I hate getting that DM of, hey, I have some important news. Can you get on a call right now? I really was trying to not panic people. And that's something that I'm trying to navigate in a remote world.
2: So I think the heads up call is really interesting or the heads up slack is really interesting. I actually appreciate like, hey, everything's okay, but there's something I want to talk about in our one on one today outside of the normal or some way to allude to that so that I'm not caught off guard. I guess it really is person to person, though. And maybe then that's something managers should ask upfront when they start a managerial relationship or when they start working with someone. Like, do you prefer? I think the same way when people give feedback, right? The micro ask of like, hey, let's do a feedback session. So you're prepared and you've done the reflecting and you've done the thinking ahead of the feedback session. I always find it's way better than if someone catches you off guard with feedback, especially growth feedback that you haven't agreed to receive.
1: No, that's a good point. I think part of it for me is just, I want to normalize people leaving. And so if I call a special meeting or do a special heads up, it makes it seem like this is almost an incident. But the thing I keep repeating over and over again, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. And the more you repeat that to people, then they start to repeat it back to you and everyone just calms down. So in some ways that kind of worked in my favor, but I totally Mm -hmm. see where you're coming from where I could have given a heads up to just like, hey, you need to pay attention in this meeting. Like there's going to be an announcement. But in some ways, Gemma, I'm kind of crossing my fingers that they're already paying attention. So that's a really good point, though. I'm lucky in the fact that all the team members that I needed to talk to were present in that meeting just because we're getting bigger. And so it's possible now that I'm going to be missing team members that I now need to catch at other times. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think it's also interesting what role the person leaving Right. So you're saying it was a front end lead, Mm -hmm. I think, in this specific case, which is different to an individual contributor, which is different to someone who's doing people management. And I think all of those departures have different people who need to be told and different ways to communicate because they have different levels of impact and worry and concern that people will naturally have. If you were me
1: and I still have some time with him, what would be the things that you would have him focus on? Because right now it's very much focused on documentation, recording videos, having those conversations with his reports just so that they understand and can ask questions about any personal motivations and whatnot. But is there anything that I'm not thinking
2: about? Yeah, I was definitely, I was going to say documentation and rationale, I think when people leave, especially at smaller companies, almost necessarily some domain knowledge leaves with them. And that's also, I mean, there are rare cases where you can reach out to them in the future, but even so it won't be top of mind. They won't have access to your code base anymore. It won't really be a helpful thing. And so ways to not lose that domain knowledge where it's relevant. I've seen people leave and give presentations as they were leaving about something along the lines of, hey, here are all the ideas I've had that are kind of wild ideas about things we could do or ways we could improve things. And I think what's really interesting there is they don't need to be fully technically fleshed out or anything like that. But if you valued the coworker and their thoughts, these are really important things to listen to and to think about, which hopefully you did value the coworker and their thoughts because otherwise their domain knowledge is going nowhere. And it's all this thing and all this thinking and energy they've had that as soon as they leave a job that's working on proprietary software, they can't then make use of and is actually really helpful and is something that the business has already paid their salary and kind of gotten. So it's like, how do you share and disseminate that kind of information as well?
0: Hi, everyone. It's Brian, your co-host. I'd like to talk to you about something that is very near and dear to my heart, And that's the software consultancy I co-founded in 2001, Atlantis Technology. Some of the longtime listeners here may know, Mirror was born out of Atlantis back in 2006 when we figured, let's try being Ruby engineers who recruit Ruby engineers. It was a unique idea that clicked and now has become my life's work. But while I've been growing Mirror for the past 15 years, Atlantis has continued to grow as well. Atlanta still specializes in Ruby on Rails software development and collaborates on some pretty meaningful projects. Here are a couple of my favorites. An interactive education tool to help elementary school students learn how to read. How cool is that, right? Second is a SaaS application for clinics and hospitals to treat patients remotely. So my point is the work we do is really meaningful and impactful to others. But the best part is the work gets done by great developers who also happen to be great people. Atlantis has always attracted egoless, empathetic engineers who love working together. And we are actively seeking more remote engineers to help build a future for our clients. While I'm not doing the actual recruiting for Atlantis myself, since my time is so focused on mirror clients, it'd be my privilege to connect you with our CTO and co-founder, John Collier, who after 19 years, I still describe as one of the most relentlessly positive human beings I know. If you'd like to meet John and hear more about working at Atlantis, just drop me an email at brian at mirrorplacement.com and I'll make an intro or apply directly at atlantistech.com. We'll put a link in the show notes.
1: The last part that I want to talk about is as someone's leaving, depending on how long their tenure was, his was a decently long tenure and someone who was very integral to the team you want to make sure that you're celebrating that person on the way out, like give them the finality. And so we're going to do a remote happy hour. I'm thinking about coming up with like quiz questions about him and the work that he's contributed to over the years, just because I want to celebrate him and remind people of the great work that he's done and really inspire people. Because like we talked about, we might hire into that role. We might grow somebody into that role. So it's just really important that they get that
2: and that we basically thank him for all the work that he's done over the years completely celebrating them is really important. And I want to go back to that last point too, because something I've been thinking about with open source is how one of the privileges of working on open source is that domain knowledge doesn't leave when you leave a job. You can still contribute to it because it's not like you are working on something proprietary, which I feel really fortunate about. And I feel like it's a good reason to be thinking about working on open source or how to do that kind of work.
1: I agree. I so appreciate you talking this out with me because it's definitely very top of mind right now. And so that's why I enjoy our conversation so much, Gemma.
2: Yeah, yeah. Thank you for talking it out too. So one other thing that
1: I wanted to talk about is a project that you are very well aware of is First Ruby Friend from Andy Kroll. And so you got to review some early
2: drafts of this program, correct? Yes, so Andy Kroll for folks who don't know, also organizes Brighton Ruby Conference, which was about a month ago now, a few weeks ago in the UK. And while we were there, he was running the conference and emceeing the conference. And in one of the interludes, I think early on the opener to the conference, he spoke a lot about this concept of mentorship and what mentorship means and who's doing it and how are we thinking about juniors in the community and kind of asking all these questions and gave an offer to anyone at the conference to talk to him about it. And so I did. And he came up with this brilliant idea, First Ruby Friend, where he's going to match up folks in the community who want to be mentors to people with folks who want to be mentored, which I think is such a brilliant idea and really potentially impactful.
1: I agree. This is how we're going to grow out this community. We have to come up with ways to do that. And I know that's been really top of mind for Andy. Andy. So it sounds like they're going to be running a beta program for 10 pairs in August 2022. And then it will be monthly starting in September, which is an incredible commitment from him. But it sounds like he's going to need additional volunteers in order to make this happen. And so it's six half hour calls between early career devs and friendly volunteer mentors from the Ruby community. And every working developer that has experiences to offer is definitely eligible to be a mentor. And I know that people are already applying to be mentored, which I think is so fantastic. So we'll link everything up in the show notes. But I'll be honest with you, I am not surprised that this came from Andy. Andy just really, really genuinely cares about this community. And I love the fact
2: that there was a tie-in to something that he talked about at Brighton Ruby. The other part about it that I really enjoy is that he explicitly as saying that folks with even one year of experience can apply to be mentors. I think that's so important, especially because they're the ones with recent experience leaving a bootcamp or getting a new job or things like that, that oftentimes people who have been in industry for 5, 10, 15, 20 years don't actually remember what that's like or what it's like when you're not confident in your coding abilities. And so people who can speak to that experience with recency, I think have a ton to offer. And I'm really excited about that side of the program. That's awesome. So
1: Gemma, you mentioned that you were at Brighton Ruby and you gave a talk. Do you mind recapping the conference a little bit? How
2: was it? It was wonderful. It was my first in-person one day single track conference. So that was new to me, which was pretty exciting to see. I think it gave me exposure to talks that if there were multiple tracks, I don't think I would have gotten the opportunity to see. So that was very fun. It was also a bit of a new Ruby community for me. I hadn't met in person a lot of European Rubyists and that was mainly the demographic that was there. So it was meeting a bunch of new folks. And I imagine Andy absolutely smashed it as the MC, correct? Yes, he was great. He did something which was I thought was really funny, which was he had quite a few sponsors and to open the conference he had these layers of t-shirts from each sponsor on him <laughs> <laughs> sorry andy if i'm giving away some of the magic but he would sort of peel one layer off and you would see the next sponsor which was fun he also went above and beyond on personal touches and really making people feel like a part of something and especially as speakers that he was grateful to us in ways i haven't seen before so one example of that was He gave all the speakers a little bag with little Brighton treats, but also a handwritten note of thanks that was personal to each speaker and what they were talking about and why they came to Brighton. And I really appreciated that as a speaker. And I'm thinking a lot about how we can incorporate that more into things we do and that personal touch and going above and beyond.
1: Okay, that's awesome. I'm really impressed. And I've talked before that I have noodled at some point in doing a conference. And so the person to look up to is definitely Andy for sure. And I've done a couple of the single track conferences and admittedly, they're my absolute favorite because you're right. I have sat through many talks that I wouldn't have originally picked, but I've learned so much and it's good to get out of your comfort zone and get a nice slice of everything through a single track conference.
2: Yeah. Another really fun part for me that I'll mention just because it's likely he's listening is my brother lives in London and so came down to Brighton to watch my talk, which was really fun to have him there in person and be able to hang out with him at the conference as well.
1: That's awesome. Well, Gemma, it is always fun to catch up. Thanks for talking over all this stuff today. Congratulations again on Ruby Kaige crossing our fingers that you are going to be going to Japan and eating some Tokyo bananas, which are my favorite Japanese treat. So I'm crossing my fingers for you. I don't even know what
2: Tokyo bananas are. You will
0: love them. Trust.
2: (laughs) Thanks for having me on.
0: You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple podcasts, Google play or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review and thank you for listening.